0: back to our final fantasy 7 remake episode here on downloadable content. We are all still here. No one has gotten too drunk on Materia, I hope. <laughs> I,
1: I didn't know Materia was uh was liquid. We would be getting uh drunk on Mako.
2: Mako. Yeah, yeah I was going to say technically it's the Mako that's the that's the liquid. Well, the you see, well, you I hated see,
0: that by the way. You see Hojo is a thing though and he may have You're fi- right. he may have figured out how to have the great taste of materia in cans <laughs>
3: damn it hojo <laughs> damn
0: it. <laughs> so we're going to pick up where we left off and uh so with with that fun note i'm going to once again slink back into the ether and uh hand it back to, to Ron here so uh enjoy ye yep. so we pick up with uh letting our our
3: tailbones in the sewers. Uh, after a very brief option of who which which waifu do we wake up first <laughs> we get into a boss fight with uh, Abzu.
4: The first time uh, that they, they do that watch. final attack, the up uh, the black water or the Brackwater, that just wiped me out. That was not a fun experience. Uh, hated Maybe it was just me by the in, pick- in this one the fact that can
5: Dodge that move if you position yourself right. beloved. Mm.
3: Yeah. Um, but after fighting Abzu, we get to try and make our way through the sewers, and it's a relatively—I thought it was particularly annoying because I don't. The sewers in the previous in the original were only like two or three screens, and that was it. Here, you have to like navigate the sewers, raise and lower the water level. And oh, raise okay. lower like floodgates and 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 like blocked off areas, all the while having this looming threat of like, are they really gonna drop the plate on like a, an entire sector of the city? Uh, and there, Eris, like, oh, if they do, then we'll just try and stop it, and if not, then hey, it's okay, fantastic. And, and she's trying to reassure Tifa as best she can, Tifa's like. Eh.
5: Shopping after we save the plate.
3: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um. It, I actually really liked this chapter. I thought it had some great dialogue between Teeth and Aerith. We are really getting that relationship built up in there. Yep. Like I thought it was like this was probably one of my favorite chapters when it comes to uh, relationship building.
5: Drags on replay though. Yeah. Mm. Um, one well, I wouldn't was... know
1: somebody else has had the PS4. But... Yes, Shauna?
6: <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got into else drama. I couldn't help myself. Anyways! <laughs> um, but going off of your note of um, the relationship building between Aerith and Tifa, um, yeah, that was really good. I really loved their... Uh, their new best girlfriend's energy throughout this entire game. Yes. And I, we didn't get a chance to comment on this, but the sisters are doing it for themselves fight. That mm-hmm. um, Don Corneo's mansion was everything. I mean, I just love that. And even had a steel chair. Yeah, the steel <laughs> chair, the fact that one of the announcer guys is like, wait a minute, I recognize you. And the look that was on Aerith's face was just amazing. She was just I like, love- Like, they just did such a great nuance with just the way she looked like, Yes, you do know who I am, and I am about to end you. It was so
5: good. Before Don McCornion, she goes,
7: It's
5: like, so... Oh, Not at all. So innocent, he's like, Yeah, I guess. He falls for it.
6: (laughs) But they just... I really did love their relationship, and it did continue to build in that entire scene where it was just... They already had that in the original game, but they really built upon the fact that those two got really close, and they really had each other's backs, and I thought it was really sweet to be able to watch that play out.
4: I'll agree. Ha- handily agree with that. Absolutely. Um, something that I really want to point out about like the drags on replay, this is where, once you got to the Sector um, 5 slums, this is where I feel like the game gets a little bit bulky. Each one of the chapters is important absolutely um but it feels like each one of the chapters by this point could have been except for maybe like one or two of like the final final ones could have been foreshortened by like 20 minutes or 30 i'm not talking like a lot it's not like a chapter has to be cut because yes in the sewers there's that great character building that you need but each one of these chapters felt a little bit too long you say a chapter doesn't need to be cut
3: in my opinion there is one chapter that probably could have gotten removed if you Which say the a...
1: haunted chapter, we're going to have words. <laughs> Is
5: it the underground lab?
3: No, it's the, the drum chapter. Yep. The drum was interesting, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so we make our way through the sewers. We eventually fight our way out of it and end up in the back corner of the train graveyard. And chapter eleven begins.
5: <laughs> yeah, I like great. blacklight. <laughs> yeah, from Ghost Kids.
1: This when I said that the Wall Market was my second favorite area. This is my favorite area. I love the blacklight look of everything. I love how they reimagined the Train Graveyard. I love how they did the ghosts. Like. This is ma- not my favorite chapter for story, but my favorite for atmosphere and area.
5: I wrote in my notes Train Graveyard felt magical the first playthrough.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, really did. During this you're having uh some more interactions between like Aerith and Cloud and Tifa. Uh you're having this very spooky conversation being like everyone's afraid of the ghost and trying to like have like, oh, Cloud, be our big, manly savior and protect this moment. Cloud's like, uh, oh, uh, uh okay, kind of like, un- like unnervingly agreeing with everything going on because he himself is being a little freaked out by the
4: ghosts
2: and mm-hmm. everything that's going on. hashtag hashtag dense as hell. <laughs> yeah, um,
4: I did like how in um, in the in the chapter three when you get back to Sector Seven slums. If you actually go to the far left corner and you talk to like the militia in, in sector seven slums they're actually guarding the train graveyard and they're actually talking about how people keep talking about ghosts but those aren't real right we all know there's monsters but there's no such thing as ghosts which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> seems so like
1: i i get it is a fantasy setting but for them what they know is real and is their reality and if they haven't seen ghosts they don't know that ghosts exist to them that's as weird as ghosts would be in our world but it feels like okay it's a world where you fought a freaking house you fought a swamp monster is it really that hard to believe that there are ghosts
3: not only that like you know there's a literal energy flowing through your planet that in theory as a religious belief may or may not actually be literal souls and you're not sure ghosts are real. Well, okay, yeah, yes, but this is
1: one I brought up to I brought up to Dege at one point. Yes, they have religion, but at this point, look, that religion is not a major thing. It would be like if in our world there was a religion whose one of their major tenets was that oil is the lifeblood of the planet. We know mm-hmm. oil can be used as fuel. That's how they feel about Mako. It may or may not have a spiritual component, but that's not exactly a widespread belief. That was a religious belief of one group. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, but... Um, but but the, the one I'll say for ghosts is, what do you call the frickin' Whispers when every one of us saw them? Those yep, don't look yeah, like spirits?
3: Yeah, I don't know. Um, so we fight our way through Train Graveyard, have a brief mini boss encounter, With a poltergeist in the control room of the train graveyard, and uh, fight our way past that. Here on a radio transmission on a 50-year-old disabled, (laughs) rundown train, on a a military channel, no less. It's encrypted with Turks, by the Turks, and they are in fact doing the. The bombing, the, the plate dropping mission. And so he's like, "Okay, it's nice to know that they are actually doing it, but the trials control- try- of how we found that out is really dumb." <laughs> um, so we now have a or we, we are now trying to leave the train graveyard in earnest. Unfortunately, the malevolent presence of the train graveyard, i.e., the thing that's been having all these spirits and ghosts get trapped in the train graveyard, in the first place shows up and kidnaps Aerith. Uh, now, you you said that that was a contrivance. I didn't see it that
1: way. We saw the whispers there. I assumed that was them, because at this point, I was under the assumption that they were trying to push things to be the same way as it was in the original game, so they were encouraging us to get to the, the thing in time.
3: I thought it was a contrivance because it's a it's not necessarily a whisper that's moving us. It's—I it's, don't think it was the whispers that were moving us. I thought it was literally the train's like last little dregs of energy. But maybe it was the whispers moving us. The reason why I thought it was contrivance was because here is a train in a in a even like, even if it's like a mostly functional train, as it appears to be, um, it why would a train have a military? Great frequency for radio channel traffic. It wouldn't. It just that's straight my, up wouldn't. That's, that's my point. That's my point, though.
1: I'm pretty sure we either saw one of the ghosts or whisper. I thought it was a whisper, but now I'm doubting my own memory. Or it
4: was the ghost. Go,
1: yeah, go into the train, and then we get that frequency come up. So regardless, you're deliberately being shown it. Now the question is: Is that Elagor fucking with you, which we see him do later, or was that one of the whispers? I rem- I thought it was a whisper, but I could be wrong. I I I would have to pull up the thing to see. But something is is doing that deliberately.
3: Yeah. Um. But Elagor shows up, and we have another boss fight with a un- one of the more unusual enemies of the original game. Um, Holy crap. That boss was annoying as hell. Also, this is the first, this is also the first instance where we see the fucking steel materia actually matter because you can get a weapon off this asshole? Uh, the
1: only time the steel materia matters, yes.
3: Wait, <laughs> uh, which weapon? Did I miss one? Oh, no. Aerith's bladed staff. Yeah. Oh, no! It no. is the only way
1: to get it. It is the only, uh, steel that is unique that you cannot get anywhere else in the game. There are a couple other places... Where you could get an item, uh, uh, like slightly earlier. This is the only missable steal. I'm
4: gonna uh, write that down for later. <laughs> I if thought you, there if, you was did, if you did uh, one
1: if you did the and, assess. Like, Sorry, Ron. I, I thought there was another steal. I looked it up, and I don't believe there's any other ones that are that are missable. Everything else gets you can get you stuff early. I but thought
3: there's. N- I could have sworn we, can, we can look it, it up. Yeah, I thought Aerith had a weapon that was stealable only, and I thought Barrett had a weapon that was stealable only. No, no, I'm I'm
1: so I'm certain there are no other, no other weapons that were steals.
3: Okay, um, I could I can't remember, but it, I, I I can't remember. If it was, I thought there was a second weapon. But, I do um,
1: appreciate that in the assess menu, it tells you that it has
3: that. thing is this thing has a weapon. You should probably steal yeah. it
1: not even just in the steel menu in its little text box it goes uh there there is Earth has a weapon here that you should take
3: yeah um you kill the horse ghost thing um chariot chariot and out
5: to elagor i played you in five
3: (laughs) and we get to (laughs) chapter 12 the uh
4: defense of the pillar Elagor, but just as just one tiny note. Uh, the art direction on Elagor made me so happy. Like I love that fight because the transition from the from the train to the pillar was really dramatic because you have the moodiness of you know you're in a group of the dead essentially, right? So you've got that going on in the background, but then you also have the I, I think I talked with this about channel once, right? Where you look up into the night sky and you see the muzzle flashes on the tower mm-hmm. and
3: yeah. you're just like
4: oh right. no
3: this is Quick qu- question question before we continue am I mistaken or am I misremembering this but after you kill Elagor and Aerith kind of like wishes all the ghosts to go back into the live stream do they yeah. not turn into like Final Fantasy X Wisps for a few moments they do
2: actually yeah That's exactly I mean, what it looked like to me yep and okay, Ten, and,
1: yeah. which, and, which, ten which, and Seven both kind of had the same, uh, the, the same Lifestream-esque belief, so. Well, in theory, it's <laughs> semi-canon. I know. I, I'm aware of the connection.
2: Yes. It, Anyways. Yeah.
3: Uh, but, yeah, uh... Sorry. <laughs> so when we get to Chapter 12, we see the muzzle flare of, uh, of the resistance of uh, Avalanche trying to defend the Pillar along with the Sector 7 Militia group, with uh, Shinra being way, way too in... in
2: like, in...
1: Attention, turn. Avalanche scum!
2: Yeah, basically. Is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old Reno.
1: <laughs> this is really Roll. the turning point, the crux point of the ff7 remake this is the point when the characters uh cement the road they're on it's the point where like the choices are made and the the
3: stuff goes off the, the deep the path is set for us basically exactly. um, it's also it's it's also nice to see that even like reno and rude both immediately go like like we really shouldn't do this but if we don't do it, someone else will. So... I did appreciate
5: their early hesitance, but like later in chapter seventeen, when they're feeling really crappy about it, things like and I come up with sort of different ways of putting it—justification Justi- be... of doing yeah. a
3: justification of a terrorist act. <laughs> for so, the lack of a better term.
5: So for me, chapter twelve going off what you guys were saying about like cements pathways and stuff this is also a chapter where like fairly major thing from the original is deviated at least barely
7: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
5: that's wedge lives
4: yes um so for me the muzzle flares in the train graveyard and like that slow music while you're fighting elagor and you're desperately trying to get to the pillar that was actually a lot more emotionally hitting than almost everything in the Pillar chapter. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but the Pillar's chapter feels like they were trying so hard to hit you over the head with the ideas of it that it felt ham-handed, and I feel like they mis- messed some stuff up. And some things with the cinematics um, right after the Pillar falls. Um, some of the ways they deal with the send-offs of the different characters felt like they were a little bit too dramatic and then wedge lives um because i remember when i was a kid getting to the point when wedge falls off of the pillar and just dies and that was that was that moment of like oh crap this is real
1: (laughs) i feel that way about some stuff later but right here no i i was totally on board with this and this is something i've brought up to a couple people before take a look at how many hours you were into the game when you reached the Pillar, this is the Aerith death death moment for the remake. Mm. And that's why they upsold you on that relationship with Jesse earlier on and really built her up, uh, her relationship with Cloud, because they wanted that Aerith death moment in this game, and they were building Jesse's moment to be that, because it would have hit at exactly the same point Hour-wise, that you would have hit it in the original game, and I know that because that is almost to the it is in the same hour that I hit it when I did my Final Fantasy VII playthrough before this.
5: So well, Here's the thing: when I'm okay with Wedge living at least for a bit, if only because he gets of his hero like, moment when he yells at least for like, a bit. What do you mean, what to my boy? <laughs> i wrote so in my notes i wrote down unpopular opinion about um like i enjoyed that we got to have final moments with biggs and jesse but i felt like they were really melodramatic yes almost being laughable particularly jesse's like i loved jesse i i loved the the relationship they were sort of building between her and Cloud because she kind of got him to soften up a little bit. Like when she's riding on the back of his motorcycle <laughs> stuff like this, she got him to loosen up. And then she's just like doing this. <sighs> she's just like breathy. And like, I'm like, normally people don't die like that unless it's like a The or original
1: thing. game had melodrama.
5: Yeah,
6: I think it's because of the voice
5: acting and like just yep. the, the dialogue that like they wrote. Kate's,
1: like Kate Sith's death in the original when he shows right back up, but they were definitely selling it as a melodramatic death okay, sequence. Okay, no,
5: but me- Kate, oh okay, Kate Sith
6: yeah, right.
5: <laughs> didn't really come off as melodramatic. He was kind of just like, I'm going to try to be good for once because I suck. And then yeah, it's
7: like yeah, they try to make it
5: feel feel sentimental. But then five minutes later, he's like, "Oh hey, yeah, I have another puppet." So it was like, "Oh, you made me feel for you." I feel like it's,
3: I feel like it's difficult to act out a dying scene, and especially when the actors of themselves maybe not be, I don't want to say fully into it, but like it's difficult to act like in such pain or anguish at like in acting as it is just trying to convey that emotion and feeling with only your voice available to you is insanely difficult. I think they did the best they could with
1: well, Ron, we can't torture hungry. voice actors just to increase their performance. What have I told you about that?
5: Here's the other thing, Ronnie, when you were saying they were trying to make it the Aerith moment but for me and granted back when I played the game, I t- knew that Aerith died but it's a whole other thing reason at least to me that that moment is so iconic and was so emotional for people because it was out of nowhere he was just kneeling there praying in best girl and down comes this a-hole stabbing her through the chest and then she slumps over no words it's so
1: excuse me excuse me she was stabbed through the back, and it came out of her chest.
5: Oh my god. Are we really Stop. doing this right now? Please. <laughs> I live with you, so I know where you live.
4: Just slap it.
1: <laughs> She's going to smother me in my sleep.
4: Anyway. About the melodrama, it's, it's one of those things where, like, part of, part of what got me about the original game was, like, the deaths of those three characters were very stark and sudden. And uh, like death and so they did feel they did feel a little bit long. I will say the one line that that I felt like should have definitely still belonged there was with Jesse about like, I just wish that I hadn't killed so many people. And you're just yeah. like, oh god, no! Like, yeah. so if they just taken those two those those two death scenes and have them, I would have been okay with it. I, but they just felt a little long.
1: I think the difference between drama and melodrama, in a lot of cases, comes down to. How emotionally invested you are in the death. I didn't find I I, I say I I didn't get... I I, I can see Jesse being melodramatic. I did not see Biggs's death being melodramatic. But
5: it was mainly meaning Jesse's, but Biggs was eh, I still feel like it could have been a little better, but Jesse's was the one I was kind of like, girl, just I wanted two to die, but I'm like you are talking so long, no, just, I could be just saving
3: just you right go. now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we climb the pillar. We eventually rejoin up with Tifa. We eventually rejoin up with Barrett, and we fight uh, Reno and Rude on top of the pillar. One of the best battles in the game. Uh, <laughs> and um, it is also when we see the goddamn Whisper show up again because in the fight you succeed you stop reno and from blowing
4: up the the pillar we and save the sector and this is where i really start to have actually um this is one of the few times that i really have a problem with the game like roche roche is annoying but i can deal with that this is actually one of the few times that i feel like they really botched um for me it takes away some agency. It makes it feel a little bit more too random. And also, they do my girl Tifa this. They give her a really annoying trope, which is they beat them. She manages to get to the computer machine. And then the whispers cut you off for a second. And during that time, they literally have her looking at the computers like, I don't know what button to hit. I need someone to tell me what to do here. I'm helpless. And I've just made me so salty it made it feel less like an inevitability of shinra being this giant malignant force that can crush people and instead just made it feel cheap and random especially when you have rude come in there and you just hear the wail of her behind the whispers and you get to her and she's unconscious on the ground and tifa is the most strong badass i think she has the highest attack bonus in the damn game so it just didn't feel right to me
1: i i will agree with you on the tifa trope part but i will say i'm pretty sure the whole point of the whispers is to feel like they're taking your agency away like to like that Mm. is the core point of them and that they are preventing you from making the choices you want to make because that's not what happened in the original game and that's what the whole thing is supposed to be overcoming
3: (laughs) again you're kind of reaching a little there but, I, I, you're not wrong, but you have to get there organically. So, th- unfortunately, the whispers allow Rue to hit the button, um, begin the plate separation slash detonation process, and they escape on a Shinra medevac chopper, I think? Yep. And then uh, Sang shows up and taunts us, um, but during this, um, we did have a very brief scene where we play as Aerith running to Seventh Heaven to rescue Marl, and or Marlene, uh, Marlene, Marlene, sorry, Marlene. Marl don't uh, need
1: no rescuing. Yeah,
3: Marlene, <laughs> Marlene, Marlene, and uh, get her out of the out of trying to get out of the sector before the plate drops. Hmm. Uh, um, she succeeds, although something funky happens during it, and Sang does end up capturing Aerith in the process.
5: Marlene, some special
4: info. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she touches Marlene, and there's a flash, and we don't know what happened.
4: Yeah, that was weird. That was granted. Weird.
5: She's she's hugging Marlene. Nothing happens initially. So, as I'll into later I think whatever Aerith is doing he to like knowingly start at it's not just I touch you and you magically know things that's later like yeah yeah, but like okay I'm trying to comfort this little girl she's really scared if I can
3: calm her down almost do
5: her thing and she'll hopefully be able to trust me and Mm. come along with me so she'll be safe
3: so, um, saying has captured Aerith. Aerith does tell us that she did save Marlene or get her sa- get her somewhere safe. Um, to Barrett's surprise, like, wait, Marlene? You mean Myra Marlene? Who are you? Like, what the hell is going on? Um, but you successfully—well, I don't say successfully, but you—you um, you do escape from the pillar with basically. Careening down the uh, cable line at Mach five <laughs> into se- <laughs> into Sector Six, as the plate falls on—literally, p- plate is falling down around you as the cable is like going slack in your in Baird's hand. Um, I give a shout out Wedge,
5: to something
3: with Wedge trying to save his goddamn cats.
5: <laughs> I love his cats, but. So during the um, the cutscene for the plate falling, there's a little cameo in there.
6: So That's what I was just about to oh God, say. Fuck that cameo.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. This this whole section, I think one of the reasons why the the part at the top of Tifa gets to me because each one of these individual small things isn't that bad, but there's so many small things that I just feel like this chapter was robbed of a lot of its strength with like the random Kate Sith reference, with. Um, Wedge is trying to find the cats, um, with with Wedge having a little bit too much of a hero moment in the mid and a little bit of Aerith. Like again, each one of these individual things isn't that bad, but it's supposed to be a cumulating point where it's just supposed to be this brutal you being broken down and destroyed, right? Like this is supposed to have that. And there's just too many aside, too many little small references and things that I just I couldn't get emotionally impacted like I was for so much of the Sounds story. Sounds like
5: this maybe one. the pacing seemed off to you.
4: Yep. It, it was a combination of
3: in my opinion there's a combination of pacing and the weird cameo. Like the cameo in my opinion is the is the most out of place thing in that entire chapter. Remove that yep. cameo like clip entirely, and it feels a lot more imposing because it ends with Shinra President Shinra looking over the smoldering remains of Sector Seven and kind of like smiling like in satisfaction. Whereas oh. Whereas how it actually is, it goes from Shinra smiling in satisfaction to here's this little black humanoid yeah. cat like, slumping down in pain. You're like, what the fuck? Why is this? Yeah. So- yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, sh- it's, showing,
1: it's showing you the inflection point for Reeve. Because I feel like Reeve's story is going in a very different direction than it did in the original game.
5: So that's kind yeah. of my take on it. But the problem is... If you haven't played the original game then you're like what's this weird cat thing
3: yeah what's so this weird like, cat thing like, and, and like so why it, we, we at this point in time we've only seen reeve for all of yeah
5: so two it's, scenes it's definitely where he like, sort... like
3: a fan service moment but
5: i i feel I like forget i forget that reeve is kate sith so I, I feel like seeing kate sith or cat or whatever ronnie um H-E. yeah thank you uh me thinking about reeve more and like paying more attention to him in the later cutscenes.
1: Hmm. i feel let's put it this way guys uh that is that is obviously a seed for later if you were playing if you were playing this blind and you'd never played any of this before what would you feel about red 13 being introduced when he was at the very end of the game That would feel pointless. Why didn't you introduce that character earlier?
6: Well, not for nothing. Like Final Fantasy VII, it has such a back. Like there's, there's no way that you could play remake and if you've never played seven before, you're, you would go into it knowing like there's going to be things in here that are probably going to show up that I'm not going to understand because there's going to be fan service. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like. I know if I never played the original game and I started with a remake, I would go in knowing with that grain of salt of there are probably going to be references in here that I'm not going to understand.
1: Absolutely. And as long as they explain like for this way, when we see Kate Sith in the second game, as long as this ties into that, I think this is fine.
4: I just at least with up until this point they've done a really good job of explaining things with that careful thread of it's a remake, so that way people who are brand new to the game will be okay, but people who aren't will be okay. But this is the point when it starts to feel a little bit like a little bit more fan surface. Like with Red Thirteen, yes, he is introduced super late into the game, but you also know there's gonna be more game because at the end of it they show you, hey look, the story will continue. It still feels yeah. like a very by the end of this section. You understand who Red Thirteen is at least enough to understand that they are invested, that they're mysterious, that they've got more going on to them. You get enough of that um, with Kate. Sith, it's just like blink, there, gone. And again, it's in the middle of the point when you're literally having thousands and thousands of people dying horribly. Like
3: and, like, and like they didn't feel any need or desire to introduce any sort of like hint about Sid. Why is Kate Sith? I I need to be feel introduced?
1: like. I feel like I was looking for other things like that. I'm surprised we didn't get anything like that for Vincent when we were in the Hojo's lab. And I'm kind of surprised that Yuffie wasn't Kyrie when we got through that part.
2: Yeah, that's true. I'd be I
4: actually be that'd be actually really funny to see if that's what happens in uh the start of number two. Like Kyrie shows up like, Oh hi, I'm here too. By the way, all the material is mine now, all your baseball us. I
5: wish it could, <laughs> but they've already I yeah, wish it her could, grandmother was already, is already the Angel of the Slums, so that
1: they've the, the director has confirmed that Kyrie is not Yuffy and they confirm in the game that she is the granddaughter of the angel of the slums and a native to Midgar, yeah. but it's basically Yuffie's character, and nobody can tell me that at Weird least at clothes. some point in the development she wasn't supposed to be Yuffie.
5: Yeah, it's also close scamming people for money
3: yeah. with yes
5: cool. info, like, like, be stealing yeah. their materia.
3: Yeah, like let's be honest, if they're probably going to pick up part two with Yuffie. like the 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 the, the point's going to be like Yuffie's going to steal your materia when you're in call. Like, that's what's going to happen, and you're going to get, like, quote-unquote, depowered that way. She's going she's gonna to randomly show up and just steal all your material.
5: I didn't yeah, even so think she's I kind of like that.
2: Okay, let's get back on track with the story. Yeah. But, um, so, we,
3: chapter 13, we pick up the pieces, literally and figuratively, um, find out that some, a fair number of Sector 7 was saved, at least in that immediate area of what we knew. Okay,
1: you yeah. you guys were nitpicking earlier. This is my nitpick.
3: I agree. Where is the freaking
1: plate? You go in where the plate is supposed to have fallen. You can look above and not see anything there. There is no plate. Yeah,
3: yeah the, the plate's gone. It's, that bothered it, me. It
1: is gone. No, but no, I mean, dude, like, it's not below where it's supposed to be. It's not where it should have fallen. There's destruction underneath, but there's no visual thing of anything falling from above. It looks like a bomb went off, not that there was a collapse.
6: You mean Mm -hmm. there's no debris of the plate?
1: Yeah,
3: the the plate just doesn't exist.
6: Oh. It's just, yeah, you're
4: right. <laughs> yeah, well, we in, in the see- original game, you never actually go back into Sector Seven. It's just yeah, we never go back gone. into Sector Seven in the original. Um,
3: we do go on top of the collapsed plate in Chapter Sixteen. Yep.
1: In a small part, and I and I do see that. But tell me, when we go into it and you see the destruction in Sector Seven, you never you can you can go up on one of the high points and just look out over the destruction. There is no plate. There is nothing. You're just. It just looks like a bomb went off. There was no remnants. Yeah. Nothing crushed. Like that. That legitimately bothered me. It. It it's felt a
3: little weird. Yeah. Um. But in this chapter, we. It's the last major side questing time. Last time you can do the uh, Walmart Arena Coliseum stuff. Um. Meet up with Marlene. Uh. Find out about Aerith being an ancient. Um, some other. Is, do we go rescue Wedge during this, or is this chapter fourteen and we go rescue Wedge? No, it's during this, rescue this rescue kind rescue. of area too, right? Yeah, I think. Think it is. Rescue
5: Wedge and go down into the uh, the secret lab.
3: The secret lab in chapter seven,
5: which uh, is totally
4: supposed to be the the Nibelheim part, like, where you look in and you see the monsters being made. That's yep. totally what that section is.
1: Absolutely. Um, and then we... you get pushed away because you're not supposed to see this! Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I feel like every but single person by now should have figured out what the Whispers were doing. Not why, but that they're trying to keep you from either knowing things you're not supposed to know, or doing things you're not supposed to do.
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, so... During all this, we eventually are trying to secure passage to try and figure out how to get up onto uh, the Shinra Tower to try and rescue Aerith. Um, Elmyra eventually agrees to us trying to rescue Aerith. um, And we go to Don Corneo's mansion, because if anyone knows how to get on top of the plate, it's going to be that fat fucker
1: absolutely yeah.
3: chapter 14 is another like side questy like uh, flushing out like side characters yep uh, there is
5: one important thing at the beginning of chapter 14 which is resolutions there's three of them but most people get earths at the first time the Classed dream outside oh, the dream, the dream the sequence
3: right they're well, the dream
5: sequence. If you get Aerith, yeah. uh, you can get Tifa. Or Bear. I've gotten them all of them. It, Tifa, you talk to out there. Hers is she breaks down crying at one at one point, um, because just everything's hitting her at once, and um, she kind of clings onto Cloud's chest. And as we're watching it, Ronnie's like, Look "Her, Look her Cloud, what are you doing?" And eventually, he does, but he It's a while, which is. Odd because they're supposed to be childhood Friends and they've been kind of reconnecting That's what happens there And then Barrett's uh, He can't sleep because again, Barrett's is so good He's thinking about all of the people who've Died but then And with Cloud He starts to He cheers himself up by thinking about all of the people In Avalanche who've died or not Died and so it's a way to kind of Flesh out some of the people that uh, he name drops been mentioned, characters but uh like he talks about this Fun. one girl who Jesse and her were inseparable and they were like sisters and stuff like that so um it, they're not super important to the story but they're really nice character yeah. moments
1: he he name drops people that i assume are from avalanche prime the core the avalanche hq and i'm absolutely certain that those are going to be characters we see in part 2
5: then so. aerith is the one where um and i'm surprised and i told saying... you,
1: and dj i told you i am so surprised that that conversation with Barrett wasn't a mandatory story part considering he brought up stuff that you will ne- you'd never hear about any of these characters otherwise
5: well, that's why I don't think that they're going to show up in the. That's just me.
1: I'll take that so, bet.
5: So Aerith uh, has a vision of her. He's like, is this real? Is this not? And so at one point she says, whatever you do, don't fall in love with me. And she goes, do I have any say in this? She's like, you think you'd have, but it's not real. And so, for all of the Cloud Aerith shippers, like me, as a child, it was kind of, like, a nice moment. <laughs> my, my 13-year-old self was screaming a little.
3: Yeah, but I, th- I feel like this, this like, with the Aerith scene specifically, the, the Cloud Aerith interaction, like, at this point in time, you're, like, if you haven't figured it out already... Aerith definitely knows more yeah. than she's letting She
5: knows out. stuff. Okay, we
1: we've we've missed a part that I want to talk about way back when. Uh the moment I realized that this has all happened before and I'm wondering if it was the moment for anybody else was when you see Aerith's death
5: in yeah, one of Cloud's flashbacks. Flashback. He starts crying.
1: Yep. You see, you literally see her praying. You see the materia fall. You don't see er- Sephiroth's sword, but and Cloud is ha- just has a tear yeah, coming out of his eyes.
5: it's chapter. That's the beginning of chapter nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's when you're escaping and she pops mm-hmm. back up and she's oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, I'm there, with right. you?" And
3: then yeah. you just we well, are of... way past that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, uh, we see it again. We see it twice actually. We see it in chapter nine, we, and we yeah, see it again at, at the end.
1: We we get three different clips of that scene in three different flashes, mm-hmm. but it is obvious what it is the first time it happens, and that's when it goes. That is, I sent out a message. To my friend Jimmy is who I was texting, just like Shauna was texting uh, Wyatt, where I went. It's a fucking sequel in all te- in all things. Sending it to him. Going, what the hell
5: is going on? WHY AM I- <laughs> WHAT'S HAPPENING?! <laughs> when I was playing it with Ronnie watching, I was much calmer about it, but he- he was going crazy because he really wanted to talk to me about it, but so I'm playing it and I'm looking at it and I just go, Hey, this story already happened, back in- the backtrack too much, but back in chapter three, and uh, he gets a flashback when he's looking at Marco, uh, the- yeah. And the, the tattooed guy, and he sees the reunion, and they say reunion. I was like, that's weird. Reunion didn't happen already. Yep. But then seeing that later, I was like,
1: wait. When I saw that, hey. I thought they were changing the story, and they moved reunion to before Final Fantasy Seven, and we were going to get stuff. It's when I saw that scene with Aerith where I went, wait, no, this has already happened. And we'll get into speculation on what I thought at
3: the time. but
5: mm-hmm. um, That's when I actually got really, really into the game.
3: Yeah, but yeah, we're talking <laughs> we're talking 14, a lot of speculation yeah. sort of stuff. And, and here. that's literally what I
1: just said that we'll mm-hmm. talk
3: about it more when we get to
1: speculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. um
2: continuing. Uh,
1: yeah. in, in chapter 14, I can say this is one of the big complaints that I will say from this game gameplay-wise in that uh this is where you get access to the pedo- pedometer materia, which all of us probably grabbed, but if you didn't You're screwed because you cannot go back and ever pick it up again. There are several
5: beautiful magnifying. Yeah, There are several.
1: There are several materia throughout the game that if you do not pick them up the first time they are available, you can never get them because when you go back in New Game Plus, they are replaced with a different thing. So you can't get multiple copies of it, which means if you didn't get it the first time, you will never get that unless you replay the game, restart the game entirely
6: i i call that the fitbit materia
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it is but like same thing with uh choco choco mog same way if you didn't pick it up when you were if you didn't pick it up from the fan you cannot get it it is replaced when you do new game game plus there's like
5: so many healing materias from replacement materials and to me that is
1: bad game design all they had to do was put a trigger in, so if you already have the materia, then it is replaced, but if you don't have it, it is still there. It would require next to no effort from them to do it that way. It is ridiculous that they made these missable in a game
3: with New Game
4: Plus. It yeah. definitely feels like an oversight. Yep.
3: Yeah. Um, so, Shender 14, we chase with Don Corneo again, fight Abzu again, actually kill Abzu this time, Um, instead of wounding him previously uh, have a brief interlude with uh, one of Don Corneo's assistants who is kind of like looking to kill Don Corneo himself because he thinks Don Corneo killed his girlfriend
6: Oh, Leslie, right
3: Yeah, yeah, Wesley. That's going to come
4: back in the next part
3: Um, but he gives us some, uh, more grappling hooks for us to batman our way. way up, batman our way up the wall to get to try and be in climbing, uh, Shinra Tower.
4: Ooh, um, actually so about that the next chapter was it's called the day midgar stood still like when you're going through the record this part was actually more emotionally tangible to me than the one right after the plate falls because you see more of the destruction Mm. you get more of the people like oh my god look what's happened this is what Um,
3: this is what that chapter should have been
4: Right, you, yeah. you're really experiencing that wreckage, um, and you're going up there, and it, I really closer, like this. You're also
3: closer to the center pillar, too, which is where Shinner Tower is located, and I feel like that destruction and plate thing, yes, it should have been further out, like, but you, I feel like you see it more here because you're, you're closer to the center pillar, which is where more of the construction and just like plate and bass was located, I feel.
4: Right. Um, so like for me, even though this chapter is probably one of the more filler chapters, it felt right because it finally gave me that emotional oomph I've been looking for. Um, however, I do want to bring up something that we forgot about. Flying enemies in this game can go bite it.
2: Yeah, I Flying enemies is easily
3: the worst part of this game. The consistency of
4: at- Which
5: you jump up to hit stuff is not very good.
1: I didn't have an issue with it once I realized that you couldn't do it while in Punisher mode. Because that was most of my frustration when I didn't realize why he wasn't jumping up. Once I realized, oh, he doesn't jump in Punisher mode, he does in regular mode. After that, I never really had an issue.
3: There's the reason why it's so bad is the reason why it's so bad is because Mo Cloud only gets like two or three attacks in the air. Tifa I think gets like four or five. Yeah. Um. Also, with Blizzard and Arrow being like delayed hits compared to Fire and Thunder. Oh my
4: gosh! So frustrating.
3: Yeah. Um, that is an issue. Yeah. I don't understand uh, why
1: all the magic didn't work the same way.
5: But yeah. When I'm getting uh, also, attacked with Blizzard, I I like the fact that I can move from it.
3: Yeah, so like, yeah, it, 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 yeah. like, um, uh, like, Baron and, and Aerith put this, like, sling, like, homing projectiles at the aerial guys, and it was okay, which is fine. But, like, the moment you tried to, like, cut them down out of the air or punch them out of the air, it was just terrible. The camera went really wonky in multiple different directions. It, it got really, uh Awkward in general, just the, the visuals of the camera. And that made it so terrible for the aerial combat specifically. And the reason why we're kind of mentioning it is because the boss in Chapter 15 is a giant flying drone. Which I think was the flying drone we see in the original game in the elevator. Yep. Yep. Yeah, That's what I thought. Um uh did any of you guys get him to uh satellite laser himself or no yeah um, I, th- I thought you had to no you didn't have to um but you could for like a free knockdown basically
6: oh i thought you had to also <laughs> yeah, he's 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 immune <laughs>
3: to
1: to what physical damage until you knock his shield out doing that
6: yeah yeah he is
1: Oh, so, okay. like, you in could take him down with just it
5: magic. Didn't seem that way. Oh, maybe I was just using like, I, I don't know. Yeah,
3: yeah you could probably play it again. Yeah, um, but we we beat him. We use the last of our grappling hooks to get to the top of uh, the central pillar, and we get to a catwalk leading to Chapter Sixteen. Uh, our s- attempted sneak in uh, into Shinra Tower. uh the belly of the beast yeah um
1: also showcasing that super super iconic image of cloud in front of the Shinra Tower
2: yeah yep. the yep. moment yep. Right, uh can I add some stuff about Shinra Tower as well because when you first get into Shinra Tower again like I said graphic why wi- graphics wise it blew me away just how detailed they went with Shinra Tower for it. Especially with the first part where you actually had to get access to like, the security and stuff like that. And um, what Tifa actually had to do was... That screwed with me a little bit though. What she actually had to, do, had to do with Tifa. Because I think at the first part she falls down on Perp. It's designed for her to fall down. It screwed with me how you get back up and actually get over there a little bit. It took me a little bit. But besides that... Um, And also going on with that, the elevator thing too as we mentioned earlier in the podcast is like you see with the elevator there are people who, again just have regular jobs there and stuff.
3: So who, uh, on your very first playthrough, who took the elevator or who walked up the stairs?
4: I took the damn stairs. I took Uh, the stairs.
5: I'm always elevator. I did do the stairs stairs. the second time though. Stairs Stairs? are just so long. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I, I think honestly, elevators faster than stairs. It
1: is. Oh, it, it absolutely is. is, and it was in the original too. It did but Then you wouldn't get a wonderful dialogue with Barrett.
5: Did appreciate in this one more so than the original. At like Tifa stays like ten floors in front of you because she's so yeah, fast. Yeah, you, you have boss music camera. playing
3: as you're climbing the stairs.
5: And then mm-hmm. as it gets higher, and Barrett gets slower, and Barrett's like want to die just <laughs> bury me here on floor 45 what
3: was it like you get to like floor 50 and he's like you know what screw this i'm walking back down yeah and tifa's like you have 10 I floors have, to go i guess shinra's gonna
5: it's destroy the, the world i don't care anymore it's the
3: principle of the thing <laughs> it's it so wonderful. wonderful
5: i think it's worth doing both like, in two different playthroughs <clears throat> because i was really glad to that moment on the uh, elevator that we were talking about earlier where guy comes on uh 440 to his wife no his mom and is so like like dude with a big ass sword very large man with a gun arm and a woman with a short skirt and her midriff showing or just kind of Dylan in uh, the back of the elevator sort of whistling to themselves and he has no clue because he's really concerned about oh, the plate fell I got a lot of stuff on my plate he's like nope haven't seen anybody we're super safe here yeah okay mom gets off at 45 they're like oh my god uh, oh, weren't caught <laughs> then on the 30th floor uh, so before that one doors open up and a woman was going to try to come on so but they had just fought people on the previous floors so they're all like ready to fight and his sword is like inches from her face she freaks out and then the door just slowly closes i i like the elevator moment
3: but um we get to begin climbing slash reaching the top floors uh making our way through the various floors. Uh, they've updated and changed some of the floor layouts and designs. Mm. Um, museum? It's a museum. Uh, the the diorama scene as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have uh, a nice virtual reality-like walkthrough of what Shinra believes the set were like, and How they want to try and... Make Neo Midgar. And then... Also... Meteor... Happens. What?
6: Can can we talk about... The commentary of corporate culture... That was that entire... Museum thing.
3: Oh Oh
5: yeah! I loved it and hated it. Yep. Also... Can we talk about
1: how... Oh sorry.
5: We're going to talk about the same thing, Ronnie. In the room... They have the holograms of each head, yeah. and you listen <laughs> to the sound, oh, it is a perfect, the perfect... You don't even have to know what the character is, it tells you everything. I wrote down my notes, what did I write? Edgar and Scarlet are assholes, <laughs> because they don't have anything, they can't be bothered. Um, Palmer is Palmer. a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, Ho- is it on? Joe is a condescending jerk. Yeah, like, you wouldn't even know. And Reeve is just a good boy, just trying to do his best.
3: Even
7: Poor
5: if he's Reeve. working for a bad group,
3: like, he's just trying to do his job. He's trying Reeve to is a guy who's like actually it. trying to do his goddamn job. like, if we, make,
5: <laughs> if we make a highway, then people can, like, get places. That's, like, a good thing. Right, guys? Right? Right?
4: This, I feel so bad <laughs> for him. Yeah. Yeah, he's 2 2. Reeve needs a hug.
5: Also, he he has major daddy energy.
4: Really Mm -hmm. like his beard.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But we have the VR machine has apparently been hacked and someone's been tampering with it. Because they... Naughty, naughty. (sighs) Because apparently they decided that it would be a really fun joke to see the utter literal destruction of Midgar as a fiery ball of massive death rains down upon it. You mean some, to see a literal, literal meteor asshole in a cloak taunting you. I love Barrett's
5: reaction at the end of that when he goes, What the hell was that? That be- shit ain't right.
3: You ain't right. showing sure that's supposed to show that to a kid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay.
6: There that is you dad it, you. Yeah.
3: That is literal <laughs> meteor.
1: It has the random tornadoes coming up towards it. It has the shot of meteor that you see in the original game after you blow it up and it reforms. Like, f- f- Sephiroth, we're not supposed to see that yet. We have another 40 hours to go. Um jerk. The yeah, I ass- know. Spoiling a game from 20 years ago.
3: Yeah. The assistant to the mayor shows up and says, Hey, I want to take you to the mayor of Midgard now. There's oh, so much red in this game. Yes. Dude. Mayor uh, Domino. Yeah, uh, we meet with Mayor Domino and s- find out that he's actually the inside man of Av- of Avalanche. I like this change. They, I enjoy yes. that. I like that too. Mm-hmm. They took upon yeah. the what was in the,
2: of the original
6: the- game, which was just him being like the figurehead, but not really doing anything, and like the fact that you know Mayor Domino is just kind of this guy who basically sits in an office all day and doesn't really do much, but he's playing the figurehead role. And then it's like, okay, now you did something really interesting with him, with him being the inside man. That was just, that was a really cool turn.
1: Yeah, it made a lot of sense. Um, He gives us a key card to
3: get to the next floor. Yes. Uh, uh, Well, also, First, we gotta buy
1: Barrett's weapon. From his minion.
5: Yes, you can lose, you you can forget the weapon um, if you miss it there. Um, When you first get into the building when tifa is trying to get the key card and then she goes to the computer and she hasn't touched anything but the stuff comes down i remember going "Who's watching us going <laughs> on so it was nice to know it's domino he's got your back you really stink at uh sneaking into places
3: <laughs> yep um we climb up more floors uh run into some guard that randomly knows who cloud is and says oh cloud you're alive wow I'm gonna go tell. That was I weird. Guy... I forget the guy's name. It's the guy from uh, Crisis Core.
5: I don't remember the name because I never played yeah. Crisis Core, but I I kind of liked that, if only because it was really messing with Cloud's head.
3: Yeah.
6: Well, that um, and you figure eventually he probably would run into a soldier that knows yeah. him. Yeah.
3: Well, so they, they kind of hinted at that in way back in chapter two, because someone of the guards, go, one of the Shinra mooses sees Cloud goes. Hey, wait, aren't you before he jumps off the bridge?
5: I don't think I ever picked up on that. Does have sound... Hmm.
3: Yeah, but um, you meet up with the guy who's going to give you the next key card, pass his little test, get to the next floor, which is Hojo's lab. <laughs> and during this time, we have the meeting between all of the heads of the departments, and we get to see... Just how much of an evil asshole Hojo is—that's
2: an understatement. I wrote down my favorite line. Go ahead.
5: So I I hated it and loved it the first time I heard it, but when I was in it this morning, better to scar the psyche than mar the flesh. Oh God, yes. That's not uh, the most haunting. Yeah. Okay. No, we were saying this before. I wrote that line is such a haunting line. Dash. Damn you, Hojo.
1: Also, yes, is, they t- but... also they talk about S class soldiers, which is a direct reference to Crisis Core and all the pre Final Fantasy VII stuff. Mm. A very if direct reference.
3: Have, it, the first five minutes of you seeing Hojo is a hologram of him, like telling you off, basically, and then him literally saying, "Oh." I'm okay with mind-breaking Aerith, as long as we get to use her body for my experiments. Yeah. Like, oh, Ojo's oh, an absolute piece of crap. Yeah, he's later, an absolute subhuman piece of garbage.
5: Then later, when he's talking with Aerith, and bringing up, like,
3: I you want, want to see your I mother. I
5: mean, underneath a microscope, you think we were just gonna leave what a beautiful specimen in the gutter? Huh. Yeah, like, I, you're Really, really perverse, dude. I'm like, pretty sure you have you, like a weird sex fetish for this too.
3: <laughs> you are like what everyone imagines when they see when they say mad scientist, they picture you. It's this, this like mad scientist picture in the dictionary. It's like that—that's what they see.
2: Yep.
5: Um. We also get to find red thirteen.
3: Yep. Yeah, we get the, <laughs> our pri- my first favorite. I
5: cried and I said, Here you are, my good boy. Look how beautiful you are.
3: We
1: also finally get an answer as to what the whispers are.
3: Yep. That's chapter
2: 17? No, it's actually right before that. God, it's
3: 16. Right how long is 16? God, 16 is so fucking okay, long. So the last yeah, 16 also were... has
2: the underground lab in it, the underground boss fight labs as well in it, if I remember correctly. <laughs>
5: Underground lab was, team. Okay, no, so the I was
2: experiments. You know where you yes, at? Yes, that one's the 16, drum. The end of 16. Yeah, we got drum. Um, That's death coming up.
5: There's a yeah. bit at the end of chapter 16. At um, seventeen I mean, I is significant.
1: Se- yeah, there, seventeen is the whispers. I'm sorry. So very beginning.
5: so You show up into his lab. You eat his eldritch abomination. Then you go in, and he's behind the glass, and you're talking. And Cloud's like, is um, not going to be able to get here faster than I can get to you." Basically, then Hojo's like, "Are you a soldier?" He goes, "Yeah, first class." And he goes, "Oh wait, I'm mistaken. But you weren't a soldier, my boy." And then Whispers show up. What and is this him fascinating away. phenomenon? Wait, yeah. I playing that this morning. I realized you don't t- like they pop up. And he says, what is this fascinating phenomenon before they touch him and scoot him away? So I'm wondering if he can see them, too.
1: Yeah, he can. Yep. Well, keep in mind, the whispers... Why, can s- basically? Uh, well, okay. Let's, let's separate a thing out here. There are people who can always see the whispers. Aerith, as far as we can know, has she touched Cloud, now he can. But the whispers can ha- make other people see them when they want. When they attacked Sector 7,
3: everyone saw them. Okay. Um you rescue Aerith uh and during the process break the seal holding Red13 in. And Red13 proceeds to bound out of his cage and tear after Hojo like a like a rabid animal. Mm-hmm. Um yep, right Aerith me. chases after Red13. Touches his forehead and apparently gives him sentience almost from what I, I don't, think I, that, that, that don't don't was either. I think it, I think she just like literally calmed them down. Yeah,
5: I took it as that because
3: that's how I took it. The think we, we were told
5: that they're very smart anyway, <laughs> full of his species. Mm. Um, but also if you've been kept in a lab for a while and probably tortured and. Experimented on by people and then some new weirdos show up. Yeah, I'd probably be on guard too.
2: This is I believe yeah, now this is also the chapter where you're basic you are basically a mouse with uh Hojo's experiments where you had to fight against all the uh failed experiments and stuff. Uh, the failed Genova experiments. 17. <laughs> and-
3: Those
2: robots aren't we in things? chapter seventeen or still in sixteen. No, 16? we're at Netflix, sixteen. So oh, this is yeah.
4: yeah. This is where I think this is where you start to see a little bit more of the filler because this is also where they start to really deviate. Like for example, when after you get Red Thirteen and Cloud passes out and then you wake up in Aeris's room, rather than <laughs> rather than you guys getting caught, waking up in prison and then being let out and just the blood smears everywhere. And this is this is kind of where um, I start. I have another small problem with the game again, not game breaking, not like maybe not like the game. But I think one of the big iconic moments of the original game is when you're caught, you're imprisoned, there's no way out, and then you wake up and the music's playing, the very slow, like, death chime, and there's just every room that you've been in before this point just has the smears of blood. See, I vastly
1: I vastly preferred the, the part here with Aerith and seeing the room and the talking there and, like... Uh, I will. I, I am not one that's going to say that uh, the drum didn't uh, go on for way longer than it needed to. But I actually greatly prefer this change. the The change huh. to to going to her room instead of getting caught.
3: If it had just been, you go to Eris's room after waking up, you get told about what the whispers are. And the Whistler are apparently the will of the planet being made manifest. Um, Yeah. You then are let out by Domino and uh, Biggs. Right? No, Wedge. Wedge. Sorry. Sorry. You you get let out by Wedge, who's semi-recovered. He's A, didn't die from having a plate fall on his head and then B didn't die after getting dragged off into a secret lab where Hojo had experimented a bunch of assholes. Um
6: Which also had his ass burned. We forgot to mention yeah. that as well. yeah. but He's been he's been the poor guy. Yep.
3: Um, yeah. Um he's injured but he's mobile enough to at least get to up to the tower with Domino's help yeah. and he secured passage for you guys to escape. He, he to also room. got
1: he also got Avalanche HQ to attack the building to distract everyone.
3: Mm. Yep. Get to the, just get to the roof and Avalanche HQ will rest you guys in a chopper. See you later, guys. I asked them really, really nice. <laughs>
5: really, really nice.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, so you get out of the area's room, get stuck in the drum because Hojo wants to toy with you some more. That area goes on for way too fucking long.
1: I mean let's put it this way i like the atmosphere of the drum with yes. nova there and then all of the the experimental uh the tubes across the walls and then the ones that are absolutely straight out of the nibbleheim reactor on the ground like the mood is real
4: the mood, the is, mood is
1: great um it just it went on it, they it should have been ha- about half as long as it was, and I think even then it might have overstayed its welcome a little bit, but if it was half as long, I think it would have been fine. Mm. As
3: it was, it dragged. Yeah. Um, we eventually break our way out of the drum, get up to the next floor, and uh, run into the president. <laughs> Who has somehow, in some way or shape or form, been thrown out of his office and is dangling by a thread, hanging onto the side of the cliff of the next, of the top floor? Yeah. So, how did he get there?
5: Because hmm. <laughs> son did it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I,
2: I was gonna say to do it with it the Sephiroth. Yeah. Se-
1: I well, I was gonna say it ain't Sephiroth because he hasn't shown up yet. Yeah, it's in that. Whispers.
2: Um, yeah, the,
1: yeah. whispers. Barrett,
3: the, wh- the whispers. Yeah, the answer is probably the whispers. Barrett rescues the president. Man, and now, congratulations. Yeah, rescues the president starts telling him off, being like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to give respect to the avalanche. And,
1: and the, pre- Connor, and the Rock- president calls him out for being a hypocrite and caring more about his reputation than about shutting the reactors down.
3: And then the president starts talking mouthing off about the only thing that matters in life is power and money. And he's going to shoot Barrett. And then finally Sephiroth shows up and stabs the asshole in the back. Yeah,
1: you know, it's great. Yep. All that matters in life is power. And then Sephiroth's like, yes, you're absolutely correct. Stab. Yep. You're not the one with the power.
5: Mm-hmm. Then he doubles down the back. Second. he, he, he holds
3: down on the back, stabbing, and stabs Barrett through the back into through his Oh chest.
1: my God, I freaked out when that happened. Mm. I yeah.
5: did. I was like, as did the like planet, that because, didn't happen in the original game. Yeah, how dare you say to be
3: here? Boy. As did the planet because a bunch of wishers so going to show up and sh- shuffle Sephiroth out of the arena and uh, start working on peeling Barrett. And then we have a giant fucking boss battle with uh, Rufus, Cloud Aerith, Tifa, and Red 13 fighting our, our first Genova piece in the middle of a, a transformed trans- president's
1: office. Genova Dreamweaver. And mm. that fight had mood.
4: Yeah, totally definitely agree. like where, there, there's a reference at the start of it like where you where you end up in the core of the planet for a moment or like the, or like the dreams of the planet and definitely had that atmosphere that that elder god sort of vibed the whole thing.
1: It was exactly what I wanted from Genova. Hmm.
3: We eventually beat the Genova piece which ended up being Marco, I think. I think no, it, it was Marco. Sorry? Was it, was was it Marco
5: was or the guy from Sector 5?
1: It's one of the two. Mm. Um, I think it's the one from Sector 5. I think Marco's the one that we see jumping off the building.
3: Okay, I can't remember. Um, But we get. We defeat the Gen- Genova, make our way out to the helipad, and get ready to get picked up by Avalanche's HQ.
1: When and... Nemesis comes out and shoots it with a rocket launcher.
3: Like almost. Do. It's, it's uh, Reno and Rude showing up with uh, Rufus.
1: Yeah. And then you get the Rufus boss battle, which uh, Deja, you want to talk about that?
5: Um, that fight can go fuck itself.
1: <laughs>
5: I had so much trouble with that. Um,
1: you nearly um, quit the game.
5: Mode. Yes, yes I, I kind of rage quit, quit where I threw the controller down the bed and I stomped away and I was like I'm just done I, I, I don't even care what answers there are at the end of the game
3: it was annoying until you realized um, to get a free stagger on and, and Rufus was just hit him with Braver
5: yeah I never
1: found never that out
5: I just moved around blocking waiting for him to reload
3: if you assess him it, it literally says if you hit him with a certain move you get a free stagger Y- yeah that was how
5: i, I figured just it assessed out. Yeah. him this morning for the first time i had so yeah. much trouble ass- with the fight like i couldn't get like 30 seconds in
1: um, yeah i i did assess him i did see that and when i did focus thrust i got a stagger off almost every time i thought it was just that he was extra susceptible to focus thrust i didn't realize until later when I was, re- when, after I beat the game and I was reading a guide to see if I missed anything, that I realized no, Braver is an instant stagger.
3: Yep. Um, that would have helped. Yep. So, also during all this, the Whisperers healed, magically healed Barret's wound. He's alive. He's okay. Yay! Yay. Um, You guys start, if the rest of the party starts fleeing as and Cloud fights off uh, Rufus. Tifa Ron- hangs back for him.
1: This is when when earlier when you said I was stretching. This is where I go. The whis- the whole point of the whispers is to make you feel like you have no agency in what you do. Yes. Even even Barrett's death. Even death is reversible by the whispers because what you do doesn't matter and that's the whole that's what I feel like the whole point of the Final Fantasy VII remake is the struggling against a destiny that you have no agency over, and overcoming that.
5: I can see people complaining about that that's how the game feels the whole time. Like if it feels like, well, it doesn't really matter what I do because these things are just going to do what they want. I think that'd be a valid
2: criticism. Yeah. All right. All right. We, anyways, continuing from there.
3: Yeah, uh, we uh, Barrett. Uh, Aerith and Red 13 fight the mobile tank thingy? The other. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that That's asshole. a great
4: fight. Um, Tough as hell, but a good fight.
3: Tifa rescues Cloud from falling off of the top of the helipad after it blows up. If you're gonna oh, yeah. be a hero, at least you better at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh,. Uh just we throw yeah. thrown out of out of Shinder Tower by the fucking Whispers.
5: That broke my heart. I was like, I know, but he like, didn't die there in the original, so like can the Whispers even do that?
1: Yeah. You're supposed yeah. he's supposed to be dead by then. Yeah. Um He interfered the, too much.
3: Yeah. The other group gets to the bottom floor, tries to break out there's Heidegger with Shinra's 8th security. up you...
5: ninjutsu motorcycling.
3: Yeah. Uh, you guys, Bear prepares for a valiant last stand to allow for Aerith and Red 13 to escape. Cloud shows up and performs a uh, bike ninjutsu. It's super mm-hmm. effective. And you <laughs> break out of Shinra Tower with Cloud on the motorcycle and everyone else on that cra- crappy little three-seater or that crappy little three- crappy little three-wheel like utility truck. Who
1: who knew that Cloud was training with Roche in the off time?
7: <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, but, but that was one of the scenes that I was waiting for because the bike chasing was one of my favorites from the original game. So I'm like, how are they going to do this? And I feel like this is where they poured on a lot of the extra. I mean, just that whole scene of him like literally just Slow motion, Matrix style, taking out.
5: Conveniently not messing up High Digger's face with like yeah. three know, inches clearance. I know.
6: it was just so over the top that I'm like, this is so stupid that I love it. I, <laughs> it I, I feel so like I feel,
3: I'll keep in mind too that not but thirty seconds beforehand, we had Bear go Avalanche, local florist. <laughs> Labratt dog.
7: Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> best line. Se- second
1: best line for me, but one of the best. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they are basically driving out in a Shinra Model T.
7: Yeah.
1: It, it looks um, exactly the same as it did in the original.
6: And they even comment that it's a crappy ride. Like, at yeah. <laughs> point Barrett says something like, Why are we driving this piece of shit? It's <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you for mentioning that.
3: Mm-hmm. Red 13 replies, we have 300-pound sack of it in the back.
4: <laughs> yeah, that was great. Burn! <laughs> uh, but chapter
3: 18, the last chapter of the game. Red you... 13 putting the shade on. Longest we are... <laughs> chapter 18, we are fleeing Midgar, finally. Uh, the highway scene plays out pretty much like the original did. And that damn tank. <laughs> and then
1: Sephiroth shows up and goes, nyan, nyan, yeah." yeah you, you, you can you can't beat this i i, I, I bet you can't even try
5: <laughs> we want to fight
3: fate yeah and Aerith literally tells us if um we go into that portal that sephiroth made and she adjusted for us we're going to change our destiny
4: and this so, is where i'm really can't. happy with with her doing the change on the portal that it really highlights that she's different, that being a Cetra or being the Ancient really gives her something. Because again, in the first game, you know that's there, but you it doesn't really show. So I was just really nice to see that.
1: Absolutely. It, I, I it, agree with that.
4: It also confirms that at this point in
3: time, Aerith is definitely aware that things have been playing out differently in some fashion. And with Sephiroth showing up here and doing this, it's going to change things and she's acknowledging it too yeah I mean I don't think it's speculation to say
1: Sephiroth is created that portal because he wants you to kill them so that destiny changes like that's basically directly stated so if we go Aerith and Sephiroth have at least ideas of what is to come Sephiroth has dropped knowledge multiple times then it basically comes down to uh Sephiroth knows he loses, so he wants to change that, obviously. And uh, if we change it, then we might be able to keep Aerith, maybe. Yeah. Or um, we could lose other characters like Barrett, which would have happened if the Whispers were gone.
3: So, um, we do agree to go change that for Sephiroth. We enter a... Sing- what, what the game calls a singularity. It is a point in time where... It is a fixed point spread across all time. As the whispers form a dome around Midgar, mm. and you proceed to fight the will of the planet, to try as and a, free, your, yeah, to try and free yourself from the reins of destiny.
1: Yeah, and it literally takes the sh- pieces of the Shinra building and throws it at you. <laughs>
3: yeah, here, here, so here is the here is the one scene of the game that I took the most issue with you're throwing advent children slash kingdom hearts level of size and destruction at us when it it does not feel like it belongs. Hmm. And with the, with the quote unquote relative, with the quote unquote power level of what people are at this point in in the game.
1: But if you take a look, I mean, we have the Thundaga magics. We have the, we have the Aga level magic. We have like, we have the stuff you would expect to have at the end of the original Final Fantasy VII. Like, and power-level-wise, it feels like we should be on that level at this point.
3: It just feels a little too early, which I think is also part of the reason of why things are so out of whack, destiny-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
4: it'll be weird um, where it gets from... This game to the second game, we're left you with the inevitable. How do you reset the the strength of the characters?
1: I don't think they're going to. We stopped at level 50. We have another 49 levels that they can go.
3: My my question... Sorry. I would suspect that they're going to reset the materia by having Yuffie steal it, but they won't reset the weapon (laughs) skills.
1: Yeah, probably. Because we have a bunch of materia they haven't even introduced yet that I assume they were holding for... For the later games. My, the only my only thing, and I brought this up to Deja, is that we got to the Aga magics so early. Um, they could go up to the fourth level of magic that they've had in multiple games, the Aja level, uh, and introduce different material for those. But like that, that that is the one thing to me. Uh, but I, I feel like they are not going to erase your progress from in the new one like they're gonna be holding over your levels and the weapons and stuff that you've got it's why we only got two two uh, levels of a uh, freaking limit breaks
3: yeah um, but so we get to the singularity we proceed to fight off destiny while we're fighting off destiny we have a cutscene where Zach is fighting off all of the soldiers. When he tries to get back into Midgar with Komato's cloud. Off and it, in is, the-
1: it is literally the freaking scene from Crisis Core to yeah. the choreography. It is literally, they took the scene, they upresed it, and then they photoshopped
3: in Whispers in the background. Yep. Um, you proceed to defeat the Whispers. Uh, after which point in time, Sephiroth shows up and you now have to fight Sephiroth. Wait, you skipped a, you skipped a part, Bob.
1: You what? proceed to fight the wrist Whispers, and then die, and then come back, and then fight
3: the Whispers, and then die, and repeat <laughs> that <laughs> as many
1: times as oh, so necessary. you necessary. So you
3: died to Whisper Bahamut is what you're saying. You died to, you, you died to Whisper Megaflare. Yeah. Uh, no! I never died to Whisper Megaflare. I died
1: before Bahamut every time. <laughs> when I got to Bahamut, I one at him. I, I, I got through him in one
3: try. Really? Huh. <laughs> <All> right, anyways, <laughs> um, we so you fight Sephiroth. You
2: in Advent Children ask terrain. hmm I was pissed we didn't have Omni Slash Five for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the end of which he is literally summoning
3: meteor in this singularity to try and drop it on your head before he before the timer counts down. Mm-hmm. Um, you yep. get a you get a scene where Cloud appears to cut into Sephiroth. You are thrust into... What does Sephiroth call it? The Edge of Creation? The Edge
2: of Creation.
3: We get an up scaling of basically the final fight sequence between Cloud and Sephiroth in the middle of the planet, the end of Final Fantasy VII original.
4: Yes, that was iconic for me because, again, I haven't seen the ending of that game since i was again 12 but that moment where it does the quick snapshots between both of them with that thunderous boom between that was that hit so hard for me of like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh like it was just it was big but again then there's the change where cloud doesn't win he loses this well, is it's not, it's, it's not even
3: him losing he tries to perform omni slash he's beginning to do the motions for omni slash and Sephiroth's parrying every single blow, and Cloud stops midway through on slash.
1: Yeah, because Cloud knows what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Cloud, Sephiroth knows what he's doing. This scene is one of my complaints about it. Everything else in this game has avoided Final Fantasy VII's perchance of, uh, chant for, uh, being cryptic for cryptic's sake. There are unanswered questions, but they all feel like they came naturally from the story. This is the only point in the game where it feels like the traditional Final Fantasy VII, we're gonna say shit just to say shit, and it's just gonna be cryptic to be cryptic, and it doesn't actually... It it felt like what they'd been avoiding the entire game, and then
3: they... Half. Seven seconds. Seven seconds to say to save it. Yeah, for you defense.
5: perhaps. Since it's the end of the game. This is basically to me that intentionally cryptic because it's basically the hook at the end of an MCU movie to get you to come back for the next one. Mm-hmm. Did he mean by that? I don't know. And the seven seconds thing, just my head But I, yeah, I think of it as like the doom clock concept. there's seven seconds left in this planet's history what are you gonna do with it that's how i take it
1: so let's get into the ending and then we can get to speculation for uh the tiny bit of time we have (laughs) remaining
3: yeah so the game ends with you being a sephiroth you have freed yourself from the restraints of the will of the planet you are free from destiny you are free to chart your own path but so is sephiroth yeah, mm-hmm. but so is yep. Sephiroth, who may potentially even wield the powers of the Whispers himself now, based on how certain things are perceived and demonstrated during the Sephiroth fight, and potentially Zack is now alive. <laughs> so they cut. So they
1: cut to the scene. So it looks like uh, Cloud and Aerith, or at least Aerith, get this flashback showing the end of the fight where Zack would be dead. But instead, he's standing there, and everything around him is dead, and he goes, I won. And then he gets Cloud, and they walk together towards Midgar, when normally it would just be Cloud. And then the potato chip bag comes across the screen, and it's a different stamp.
5: Terrier it's, with a...
1: Yeah, he's a terrier now, and uh, they... It cuts back and Aerith has An, an amazing monologue um, About the steel sky and I missing miss the steel mid- sky uh, Yeah um, But that fact that Zack walked back with him and that's a different Stamp and as I had to tell one of my friends who was like Well they could have changed the design between Then I go no Cloud the, from, from that Scene with Zack and Cloud And Cloud meeting Tifa Is less than a month In game it's just a couple weeks after that that he finds Tifa and the start of the game and the game starts. So are they in a separate timeline? Are th- are we going to be dealing with
3: dimensions? So, are we going to be de- speculation time? Yes, yeah, we are entering speculation time for the 10 minutes. I'm assuming J- Brian will be benevolent here and give us 10 minutes to speculate. I hope so. So, so let's lay down some initial ground rules slash benevolence. So we all are in general agreement here that the ending of the game as we understand it is you as the main characters have broken free from the shackles of the original Final Fantasy VII storyline.
4: Right. Yes.
3: Because that's what the Wizards have been trying to force you onto the entire time.
1: Yes, that, that is absolutely what happened. I don't even know that speculation. That is just what happens.
3: So, do we believe that Sephiroth? So, here's here's question number one I have for you. The Sephiroth that we are that we've been encountering is this the same Sephiroth that you think is in the, from the original Final Fantasy 7 or do you think this is a Sephiroth
2: from Advent Children? Well, I'd say he... Advent Children, honestly. I, I would say
1: one thing we didn't touch on um, because we went through it so fast was. When we fought the whispers, we were fighting in what is implied to be the souls of our future selves. Because if you look at the wit, each of yep. the whispers, they each have your fighting style, and it says a soul from a future, a, a, a soul from the future, trying to save its so timeline.
3: That that specifically, that's not you from the future. That's the three people from Advent Children.
6: That's what I've heard too. Is that it could possibly be um, the three disciples from yeah. Advent Children with the yeah. white hair? again. Yeah, so, I've, I've, heard, a
5: sword I've a actually
6: play. heard both. I've actually heard both theories that it could be either the three of so, you or the three of those characters. So the God, reason why
3: the God. reason why people think it's the the three disciples or the three people from Advent Children is because the gun the gun arm is not the same one as Clouds or not on bear. It's The sword's not as large as Clouds. And the fists are uh, a different fighting style. It's if you look at the fighting style of that person and you mirror it to the Advent Children person, it is the exact same.
5: Okay. I didn't really care for Advent Children, so I don't. Yeah, want but it, it, any of the it fans, the fans,
3: head. of Final Fantasy <laughs> seven are rabid. Oh yeah.
6: To, to be right. fair, there is, I don't know if it's on Hulu or what, but there was like a remake down of Then Children that actually. Is like not, a good
5: story? Like I did actually not a good story.
6: story. It was actually a, a better story because they restructured it and it wasn't just a whole bunch of pretty scenes that didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like the, when I watched actual, it, I was. Sorry. Irony. I was going to say that the actual quote is an entity from a future timeline that is manifested in the present day. Uh, it fights with a sword to protect the future that gave shape to it. That's obviously the cloud one. Each of them just changes. It fights with a it fights with a blank to protect yep. the future.
2: All right, I'm gonna add I'm gonna add in one thing as well to this for spe, for specu, for speculation's sake. So we all saw the scenes and flashbacks with uh, Aerith and her dropping holy, obviously. But this also brings up the question: Does Aerith actually get shanked? and die later on. I think that's where we're all, that's one of the things we're all trying to speculate is does she, does that actually happen? Is that going to happen to her in the, in the future? I don't
5: think so. Unless it's a different, like, you know what I mean? Like, Cause at this point I assume it's a blank slate. I
1: assume I think we're going to lose a, par- I assume we're going to lose a party member. It's not necessarily going to be Aerith. And if it is Aerith, it'll be in a very different way.
4: Hmm. They're going to get to the uh, the beachfront and she's just going to get shanked in the middle of the beachfront just to make <laughs> everyone angry. It's just coastal soul has angered. So, so Beck's bandage will
5: kill Aerith. So Aerith well, the, the, the <laughs> next game is just, uh, just going
1: to start up with us walking forward and then Sephiroth stabs Barrett and goes, I needed to finish the job and then leaves. So, <laughs> my... Mean? So...
3: Um... Sorry, I, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to, have to phrase my thoughts because I have an opinion and a theory on this. I'm trying to have it be as succinct as possible. I've been having trouble with that myself. Here, here is my theory. Um, Theory. My theory is we're going to have two timelines that play out. Timeline one is you playing as Cloud in the original group trying to make your way through uh, the rest of the game as is trying to stop Sephiroth. Sometimes during this, we will have Laguna-esque sequences where you are dreaming or you have a momentary lapse of control and you start playing as Zack, going through like the Midgar section as Zack that's exactly what i told deja i wow. thought was gonna happen uh, yeah
5: i didn't think of it as stuff i just kind of i it would go back and forth like even how the game with the chapters it'd be like one chapter saying to ronnie i was like i could see the party splitting at some point because there's a lot i'm assuming that there's gonna be a lot going on and so, like, four characters could go one way, four characters could go another way. Um, and so, one chapter would be one group, etc., etc. So, that's how they could... It, instead of trying to do it between chapters, but I was saying to him, given how this is dealing with time loops and time and all that kind of stuff, I could see the second one being some sort of... You figure out that there's two separate timelines and they have to merge them together in some so way. That,
3: that, that's thats kind of what my theory is. So, to continue, I'll explain what my theory. So, we have the, the quote unquote cloud timeline and the quote unquote Zach timeline as I'm describing them. Um, They have two major points where they diverge. Point number one being the Aerith death scene. In Zach's timeline, Aerith dies. In Cloud's timeline, Aerith lives. But in the
1: original timeline, Zack would have died. So, like, wouldn't it have to be the cloud timeline that Aerith lived? That's,
3: yeah. In. So, uh, so here's. And the reason why I'm saying Aerith lives in the cloud timeline is. Cloud, due to the Genova cells in his body, is getting some momentary controls and flashes of everything that, that Sephiroth has. That's why Cloud. Has the flashes of the Aerith kill scene?
4: So we've got a Horcrux situation here going on. Yeah,
3: <laughs> hey, hey, no joke. It is a Horcrux scene going on here, where hmm. because of Cloud's connection to Sephiroth through the Genova cells, he has got this basically like this foreign this this knowledge. So whereas previously the stabbing scene is so sudden for Zack that he can't react to it in time. Cloud has had these memories occurring to him, these flashes occurring to him during the course of the the storyline. And then when he sees this moment happen, he's able to react in time to stop Sephiroth from killing Aerith. The second conversion point is going to be at North Crater for the first time when you meet up there. In North Crater, it's going to be Cloud that dies. In the cloud timeline. Okay.
1: Um, I would like to bring up. Uh, I I actually have two things I want to bring up. One is. Uh. We actually missed one thing at the end of this. At the in, during the ending, where we didn't mention that uh Bigs alive and they hint at Jesse being
2: alive. Where they hint at Jesse being alive? The gloves.
3: The, the, the gloves on the desk are, are, are Jesse's.
2: Oh. Okay. Yeah. So and
3: they could
5: be. You found it in the rubble, potentially. But Ronnie feels like it's... Oh, it's just hers. And we just don't see her, so.
1: So either one of them could... At the very least, Biggs and possibly Jesse will be around for part two. Um, And I think it's very likely we're going to cut between Zack and Cloud in part two, controlling two different parties. And we might get uh at least big is in zach's separate party and i think that would be
3: amazing Um, to to, to also to finish up my theory when these timelines would meet up and converge basically is during the live stream event in um uh what what's the town that cloud like shows up in like in Mako poisoning at the resort town that eventually has diamond weapon. Okay.
2: Coast and to Del Sol. No, yeah, we're we're not Costa to Del
5: Sol. No, Southern <laughs> um, Island.
1: Yeah, Med. It starts with an M. One second, I'm gonna look it up.
3: Yeah. But in my opinion, that would be the time. That would be the the, the quote unquote best point in time from a story perspective where the timelines could merge or some sort of like swapping of the timelines could happen. Because this is also when Cloud has all his memories restored, and you find out what actually happened mm-hmm. during the Neapaharm incident. Medeal.
1: Medeal. Medeal is the Medeal. Name. Medeal.
3: What if, from a story perspective, the Cloud from Zack's timeline, who has been relegated to this like secondary character, who is still relatively comatose, gets merged with all the memories of the Cloud from the Cloud timeline, and they his body jumps from the Zack timeline to the Cloud timeline? So one thing I wanted to
1: speculate on, and I wanted to bring up, because this is one that I was thinking about ever since we uh, I saw the cut to Earth's death from Kyle's flashback.
0: Before you do, Ronnie, Shana did call yep. next. Yep.
1: Oh, I didn't even see. I'm sorry. Go right ahead, Shauna.
0: I was sorry, looking away right okay. from chat.
6: <laughs> um, I guess the one theory I have is a bit broader. Um because I haven't quite thought, I, I've been like, I don't know what's going to come and I can't wait to see. But the only thought I had about how this would all go down was that somehow in the midst of everything being changed with the timelines, there's going to come that ultimate um, time paradox storyline of changing the fates was the wrong thing somehow. And almost giving us almost like false faith that Yes, Eris is going to live through this, or Aerith is going to live through this, but then eventually it's going to be like, no, she had to have died because if she lives, something worse would have happened. Like, she would have gotten possessed and taken everybody out. Or, like, I know that's crazy, but um, that's kind of my theory with this is that maybe they're going to kind of take this storyline where now it's like, okay, now anything's possible, but it's somehow going to come back to whatever happens the original story is still going to need to play out in the end in one way or another and we're going to go back and we're going to have to sit and watch Aerith die and know we can't do anything about it I don't know that was just the one thing I took from it either that or just about before Aerith gets stabbed Wedge's cats come in and they save the day and they save Aerith best ending ever the end mic drop
3: (laughs) So in the original timeline, if you follow the events through, based on what the, the the writers and the directors have told us, the original timeline where you see Red 13 running up to with his aunts, with his siblings or whatever yep. to um to the ruined uh, Midgar, right. humanity is extinct. We humanity has died out over uh, a century ago, at least.
1: yeah uh, y- they never said that in any interview. I'm pretty I sure I have read them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, someone, I'm pretty sure it, is, it has been confirmed that during that timeline it ends with humanity being dead and Red Thirteen's race they, being the... They refused in any time they are asked to
1: give their perspective on what happened because they wanted it left entirely up to interpretation. I and then, they nope,
3: said assess- that. And i could then, be wrong
1: and then after they did uh advent children and they announced the compilation of final fantasy 7 they directly said that humanity was not dead but you can go that's a different timeline but they never stated uh about whether humanity died off or not they always left it up to interpretation yeah, okay. trust me Every time I play Final Fantasy Seven, I spend like a week reading every interview and every <laughs> week and every single thing because that's how into it I get.
3: <laughs> I kind of, um, could have been wrong.
1: Yeah, It's okay. Um, so what I what I was trying to get into a, a while back before, and sorry, Shauna, I was... It, it was from when I said I was had two things and then Ron jumped in
7: and okay, I never had to finish.
1: Um, okay. Okay, so when we first get the clip from clip of aerith being uh dying and he sees that um i started speculating on what caused this so i was speculating on this from the ver- from very early on in the game um and my interpretation was uh we don't know what happens when holy goes off and for all we and for all we know what Air, what the Aerith and the planet could have done with Holy is bring us back to a point where we can change t- history so that Meteor isn't summoned. That You're Holy actually isn't destroying Meteor, it's just bringing us back to be able to change it so it doesn't happen.
4: No, I think that's a really cool idea that they could definitely... Because here's the interesting thing is right now, in a lot of ways, this first game, I'm, I'm not going to talk so much about speculation, but sort of like the games as a whole what they did really well about this game is that they felt like they embellished the story and that they gave more oomph to that first half right like we were kind of talking about like it just feels like a lot of stuff that happens in the first half of this remake is stuff that would have happened in the original just kind of off screen um and then they kind of let things devolve a bit and unravel and then you get the big reveal at the end which is by the way epic wonderful i love that as a as a individual piece, I love this game. I don't know how they're going to make the leap to the second one, and I'm worried about what that leap is going to do. I, 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 so this is me not so much talking about speculation, but more me talking about the game itself and what's going to happen after. Because right now, as a story and as a concept, what they did here was phenomenal, and they pulled some really good tricks. But what I've seen developers do and I mean, let's be honest, the director here is the director behind Kingdom Hearts, that they're going to get a little bit too big for their britches and misjudge, misstep I,
1: somewhere. I feel like... I I, I, gav- I get where you're coming from uh, entirely, but the way I typically put it, and especially in a case like this, is they've earned some trust with how well they did this game because they could have very easily have fucked it up.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But also... There is a lifetime for us to be disappointed, but there is only a short period of time that we can be hopeful, and that mm-hmm. is until it comes out, and I would rather be hopeful about what is to come than uh, th- then be disappointed before it comes out, and then possibly oh. still be disappointed after
4: to be fair this is me more hedging my bets and being cautiously hopeful not oh my gosh this game was amazing but they're going to screw up the next one I'm, I'm not saying that at all what i'm saying is i'm just curious about what's next i'm sorry i didn't mean to make it sound like i was putting down the next game
1: that, oh no 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 i don't think you were either i was just saying like this is this just tends to be my perspective going into anything where and i will absolutely if there are trailers and things like that that i don't like i'm going to say stuff but if i have a but if i'm at the the crossroads between being uh, hopeful for the next game or being pessimistic about it. I'm going to choose hopeful because I have plenty of time to be disappointed in the game after it comes out. I'm going to choose hopeful. That's that's the direction I'm typically going to choose. Uh, Deja had something?
5: Are you all set, Wyatt? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, well, um, let me kind of Basically, said one of the things that I've been telling him about in terms of speculation, so thank you. Um, Which one? About Aerith being to I'll just go into it. Okay. Basically, mine are just head cannons. So <laughs> I watched the ending of um, the original game last night, and so basically, once Aerith started knowing. Like, we realized that she knew stuff. I was like, okay. Oh, though. Why does she know this? What happened? Mm. So, I had him like, the last image you see at the end of the original game is Aerith in the live stream. As Meteor is coming down and everything. But what if she, being a Cetra, being in the live stream, being able to troll this stuff, paid for a You do. Mulliganed it. So now she knows, like, she, so my headcanon is when we see her at the beginning of this game, when she's in the alley, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, she's a little different than the beginning of the game. Like, she's more, like, here I am. Okay, there's, something's weird. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get stuff done. And so that's, how I like to think about it but then also as she goes she says in chapter 17 whenever the whispers touch me I start to lose a piece of myself
4: that so was I a think, weird feeling Yeah, that, that, that line so was really I romantic. think
5: she's losing bits of what happened in the original game she still knows Sephiroth's the bad guy I need to save my friends like I don't know if she'd like know well I'd get killed also if she's in the live stream she probably is able to see everything anyway so I like to think of it as like in the first game a good chunk of it is sort of a mission to kind of save Aerith or like her again in the promised land and everything and this this one is Aerith is trying to save her friends I like thinking of it like that um, I don't really have much more uh, like that um, so, the other thing that weirded me out when I watched the ending of the remake, I went, What the, oh, can Marlene, why does she turn around and say, Daddy? And she, she like, waters a plant and then she's about to leave the room, then she turns around and she says, Daddy. Like, you're yeah. there. What are you doing? Why? Right.
6: Oh my God. Okay, so I
5: watched the ending of the last one, of, of the original game. And in the, the cutscene at one point, Marlene is in calm, like, everybody evacuated. And sitting in a room at a table, she kind of looks up and she goes, the flower girl? And she goes over, opens up the window, and she sees Meteor. So I don't know if this is a thing or if they're going to do anything with it, but I'm like, does Marlene have, like, psychic abilities? I don't know. So, like, it's... I don't know. Because that's something that... Like, why, why... she did she hear him because it she goes daddy and then it sort of like beams over to him when he's like, i coming home, Marlene, or something like that. And I'm like, clearly, she doesn't actually hear him, and maybe it's just the father daughter of Bond or something. I don't know, but I don't know, just like, hmm, I wonder if there's more to that or if I'm just overthinking.
6: Maybe Marlene's the real last agent. I mean, then that would be like to
5: dine with the ancient and really? real all weird stuff. But I don't know. I was just yeah. like, hmm, Marlene's not that big of a part in the original. She's not even here necessarily. But given that we have two at least games to do, who knows? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I like thinking like that.
7: All right.
5: Hey I hey, think Brian. it is
1: time to wind down, right, Brian?
5: <laughs> I think you fell asleep.
0: No, yep. I'm still here. <laughs> Aha! I reemerge back from the ether. It Came was-
5: back from the live stream. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I
0: am. I am revived. I am not dead. But yeah, that's. I I can't wait to play this and 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 start forming my own opinions and thoughts about it um i hope
5: we don't overhype it like undertale and then you're like well, here's, well here's the thing <laughs>
0: final fantasy 7 was my introduction to jrpgs it was the very first jrpg i'd ever played and final fantasy 7 the original final fantasy 7 is is one of my all-time favorite games there is so much sentiment sentimental value in in the original game, and, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where if I wind up playing the remake and I don't like it, it's not like the original game has vanished forever. It's like, mm. the original game will always still be there. It's like, I can play that anytime I want. It's- I
5: also think that's part of the reason I ended up liking the remake more, because... I was against it for so long. I think because in a way I felt like it invalidated the original that I had such a nostalgic mm. connection to. But this is like with
0: exist, like currently, I, yeah. Like I, I, I knew you know even before recording that this this game is a is a this remake. It's a different animal. It's twenty three years after it's made. Twenty three years after the original game, it is not going to be a shot for shot, line by line remake. It can't be. It 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 absolutely cannot be. Video game technology and and storytelling have come so far in the last two decades. It's like, of of course things are going to be. You're giving another another chance to to reopen that plot and and play with it some more. It's like oh what couldn't we what do we want to do now or what did we want to do that we couldn't do then due to the limitations of the technology so here we are so i'm 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 looking forward to getting it when it eventually hits a uh, pc um
1: well brian if it doesn't hit pc eventually and uh the covid is over so i don't have to worry about giving you a virus i will just let you use our ps4 <laughs> i'll just drive we'll up and drop over it, it off for a
5: weekend and not sleep and just play for 72 hours.
0: Yeah, I mean it's I there's I'll buy the PS4 once there's enough games out that I want to play. So <laughs> um but yeah, so the excellent excellent episode just well well done all around for everyone. So um if any of you out there on the wide world of the internet have any questions, thoughts, comments on this episode or any other episode of Downloadable Content, you can let us know on our website, dlcpodcast.com. Click the feedback button. Let us have it. Every single episode can also be found on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and now Spotify. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook at Downloadable Content or on Twitter at DL content. So it's all there for you. So... All it remains for me to do is to thank Ron, Ronnie, Deja, Shanna, Wyatt, and Ryan for being on this episode. Thank you all so much. This was was a wonderful, wonderful episode. Great fun to listen to. So on that note, everyone, I'm Brian. Have a good one.